All right. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, might have just blown it with the passage of the National Defense Authorization Act. This is close to a $900 billion bill that he did get through the House of Representatives and is heading towards Joe Biden's desk. Now, in order for Mike Johnson to get the defense bill into the Senate and onto Biden's desk, he turned on his very own Freedom Caucus. He turned on Trump. He turned on the far-right Christian nationalists who made him speaker. It might have been a profile in courage. He might have decided to put on his big boy pants. Maybe, just maybe, it means we'll see a Ukraine supplemental next week without it being tied to a neo-Nazi immigration bill. But Mike Johnson definitely blew it. He blew it with the idiots who made him speaker. More on this in just a second. But first, this is the mop-up for December 15th, 2023. The year is winding down. The Iowa caucuses are exactly one month away. The presidential election, we are in full gear right now. This is it. I'm David Feldman. Thank you for finding me. Now, apparently, before we get to the show, uh, a vast majority of my listeners are fans of musical theory. A quick correction. On yesterday's episode, I confused the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical South Pacific with the Rodgers and Hammerstein <laughs> musical The King and I. On yesterday's episode, I said the song, You've Got to Be Carefully Taught, was from The King and I. I was wrong. It's from South Pacific. Thanks to all my listeners who caught that and corrected me in the comments section. Also, I accidentally referred to Stephen Miller as a butt munch. He is, in fact, an ass wipe. I apologize for the confusion, and of course, to Stephen Miller. I'm sure I'm going to make fresh mistakes on today's show, like actually doing it. I think that might be a mistake, uh, but let me know if I make any mistakes. Tell me what you're thinking in the comments section. Also, please like this episode so I remain in your feed. Subscribe to my newsletter and, of course, this channel. This is a really interesting day. It's been an interesting day. There's been some activity in our nation's capital as lawmakers try to make it out of town for their Christmas break. This is really fascinating. Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act was scheduled to sundown on December 31st. As you know, libertarians on the right, as well as liberals on the left, have been calling for reform of Section 702. Section 702 allows the NSA to comb through the emails, text messages, and phone conversations of foreign nationals without a warrant. But because American citizens talk to foreign nationals, our government has been able to scoop up the correspondence, emails, text messages, and phone conversations of American citizens without a warrant. 
And the FBI has used that information in order to investigate regular American citizens, despite the fact that they're really not allowed to do this. The FBI is doing this. The FBI, which assassinated Fred Hampton in December of 1969, reportedly went through the NSA database 200,000 times last year, searching for information on all types of American citizens from all ends of the political spectrum, from the animals who stormed the Capitol on January 6th to law-abiding citizens who participated in Black Lives Matter protests. There is a left-right alliance when it comes to reforming Section 702. So, in the House right now, there are two competing bills on Section 702 reform. This is really interesting. One reform bill, there are two bills in the House for, to reform Section 702. One reform bill is toothless, and it came out of the House Intelligence Committee. Another reform bill came out of the House Judiciary Committee, and it takes a big bite out of Section 702. Speaker Johnson initially was planning on bringing both of these bills to the floor for an up or down vote. I think they call it, I think they call it a queen for the day vote in, in, in Congress. I think this is called a queen for the day vote, where you bring up both bills, two competing bills, and whichever bill gets the most votes, that goes to the Senate. But the House Judiciary Committee's bill, the one with the teeth, well, that has the support of its committee chairman, Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan. And Jordan is one of the founders of the Freedom Caucus. And the Freedom Caucus and Jim Jordan decided to bigfoot their bill, saying reforming Section 702 involves search warrants and FISA courts. Therefore, it falls under the jurisdiction of the Judiciary Committee, not the Intelligence Committee. So there's a turf war going on. Jim Jordan is saying the Intelligence Bill, there are two bills, one coming out of Jim Jordan's committee, right? And, he's, and the other one coming out of the Intelligence Committee. Jim Jordan is saying the Intelligence Committee's bill should not be considered. The head of the House Intelligence Committee is Mike Turner, a Republican, but unlike Jim Jordan, he is not a member of the Freedom Caucus. Mike Turner, Republican, insists Section 702 falls under the jurisdiction of the Intelligence Committee because it involves surveillance. It involves the NSA. So this is really interesting. There's a turf war over Section 702 reform, a turf war between the Judiciary Committee, chaired by Freedom Caucus founder Jim Jordan, and the Intelligence Committee, chaired by Mike Turner. Andy Biggs of Arizona, also a member of the Freedom Caucus, and the House Judiciary Committee said, quote, We've tried to play nice with Mike Turner and the Intelligence Committee. 
This is Republican on Republican violence. But it's kind of interesting. Biggs says, Andy Biggs says, he now views Mike Turner as, quote, an encroacher and an interloper. Andy Biggs said Section 702 falls under the jurisdiction of the Judiciary Committee because this is all about search warrants, right? So Andy Biggs is Freedom Caucus. He's on the Judiciary Committee. He's Mike, he's Jim Jordan's lapdog, as well as Donald Trump's. But it's this is interesting because when you look at the bills, it makes you question maybe Andy Biggs and Jim Jordan aren't Satan. They are, but this is interesting. So there is a basic philosophical difference between the House Intelligence Committee's reform of Section 702 and the Judiciary Committee's reform of Section 702. The Intel chair, Mike Turner, who's not a member of the Freedom Caucus, he wants to protect the FBI's capacity to gather information without a warrant to gather information on American citizens who have been com- who have been communicating with foreign nationals. He wants pretty much the FBI to do this without a warrant. Jim Jordan's bill, however, coming out of judiciary, wants to make it next to impossible for the FBI to see or use any of that information that the NSA scoops up without a warrant. Which bill would you support? Who's the bad guy? Well, they're Republicans, both of them. But if you had a vote for a bill, which one would you pick? Jordan's bill sides with hardcore civil libertarians who want to extend the exclusionary rule to any evidence obtained from phone calls, text messages, or emails without a warrant. This is Fourth Amendment stuff, illegal search and seizure. This is what Jim Jordan is championing championing now, right? Interesting. Chairman Mike Turner, the Republican from Ohio, the the uh, the uh, Intelligence Committee chair, he says that Jim Jordan's judiciary version of Section O Section Seven O Two, that the the bill that Jim Jordan wants, strips the FBI of its power to prosecute to arrest. Turner from the Intelligence Committee says Jordan's bill would provide quote immunity from prosecution for some horrific crimes if they're discovered in 702 foreign intelligence collection. He added that under Jim Jordan's bill, 702 information would not be admissible in criminal prosecutions for horrific crimes such as child pornography, human trafficking, murder, and even money laundering, unquote. And then he added... These are provisions of their bill that they're going to have to explain. So which side are you on? The battle lines have been drawn on Section 702. You have Jim Jordan and judiciary who wants to protect American citizens from getting arrested by the FBI based on warrantless NSA data collection. On the other side, you have Republican Mike Turner, chairman of the Intelligence Committee, wanting to make sure the NSA and the FBI are able to connect the dots and share, 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 as the Supreme Court calls it, 
the fruit of the poison tree. Isn't that the fruit of the poison tree? That is evidence collected without a warrant. Fruit of the poison tree. The cops uh, knock on your door and they don't have a warrant and they come into your house without permission and they find cocaine. That would be the fruit of the poison tree. Is it admissible in court? That's the exclusionary rule, that you exclude evidence that is the fruit of the poison tree. So we have a turf war between members of the Freedom Caucus and the Judiciary Committee and regular Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee. What to do, what to do, what to do, what does Mike Johnson, our speaker, do? Well, he pissed off his very own Freedom Caucus. He pissed off the, the Freedom Caucus. He's blowing it, but I don't see how he can't. He attached a four-month extension of Section 702 to the National Defense Authorization Act, right? The, the Section 702 sundowns on December 31st. To keep it going, Mike Johnson attached a four-month extension of Section 702 to the National Defense Authorization Act, which got passed today. That's the close to $900 billion bill for our defense. It's not an appropriations bill. I'll get into that in a second. But Johnson, of course, is a member of the Freedom Caucus. He did exactly what the Freedom Caucus didn't want him to do. So we're drilling down from Republican on Republican violence to Freedom Caucus on Freedom Caucus violence. He did exactly what the people who brung him to the dance didn't want him to do. He's taking the Freedom Caucus, his own people, for granted. Because Jim Jordan would rather see Section 702 sundown on December 31st, then see it extended as is for an additional four months. Plus, Mike Johnson bundled. We've talked about bundling. Mike Johnson snuck an extension of 702 into the defense bill. The far-right Freedom Caucus considers bundling a felony. The Freedom Caucus hates bundling bills. They want single subject votes, up or down on a single bill. They want a single bill on Section 702 reform. Don't hold Section 702 hostage by attaching it to a massive defense spending bill. This is what they're saying. Don't hold Section 702 hostage by attaching it to a massive defense spending bill. Don't hold the massive defense spending bill hostage because you snuck 702 into it. Everyone has to vote for the defense bill. So they're holding it hostage. They're because defense spending is part of Washington's single party catechism. When it comes to defense spending, we have one party. You don't vote against defense spending. So by 
slipping a four-month continuation of Section 702 into this defense spending bill as is, you've done everything the hard right opposes. Mike Johnson did everything, everything the Freedom Caucus despises. Johnson said the extension is only four months and that the House needs more time to study the two competing bills, the one coming out of judiciary and the other one coming out of intelligence. But like I said, the Freedom Caucus in the Judiciary Committee is fighting a turf war with the Intelligence Committee, and they believe only one bill should be brought to the floor, the one that came from Jim Jordan's judiciary, the bill that would dramatically transform Section 702. Which side are you on if you have to pick a side? Which side do you go with? So Speaker Mike Johnson is doing all the things that got Kevin McCarthy fired as Speaker. It's like word for word. He's bundling He's holding bills hostage. He's kicking the can down the road with extensions instead of addressing these issues head on. Johnson put on his big boy pants today or yesterday. He needed to get the massive $886 billion Defense Authorization Act passed before the Christmas holiday. Now, I know there are a lot of listeners who know more about this than I do. It is a Defense Authorization Act, not an appropriations bill. This is kind of like dropping to your knee, offering the engagement ring, but it's not finalized yet. As I've said, fascism has its charms. But Mike Johnson needed to get the $886 billion Defense Authorization Act, not an Appropriations Act, an Authorization Act, passed before the Christmas holiday. And he had to pass a version of it that the Senate would agree to, and one that Joe Biden wouldn't veto. But the Freedom Caucus, well, they attached culture war issues to the defense spending bill. The hard right attached, for example, a writer to the Defense Authorization Act that forbids drag shows on military bases. They attached a writer that prevents the Pentagon from funding gender-affirming care for soldiers. And the big one, this is the big one, they attached a writer that forbids the Pentagon from paying for travel out of state to get an abortion. That's the one Tommy Tuberville was blocking all those military promotions over. That's one of the big lines in the sand, the Pentagon funding what they call abortion tourism. Yeah, I know. And Mike Johnson, kind of to his credit, turned his back on his hard right And he stripped those three writers from the Defense Authorization Act. He screwed over his own people. And then he committed another felony. 
in order to expedite passage of a national defense authorization bill and get it to the Senate and get it up to Joe Biden so everybody could go on holiday, he suspended all the rules for debate. He is guilty of the identical mortal sin as Kevin McCarthy. You might not remember this, and I wouldn't expect you to, but you get the continuing resolution passed, and, and this is what got him fired as speaker. McCarthy introduced a continuing resolution under what is called suspension. And Mike Johnson introduced the Defense Authorization Act under suspension. No debate, up or down. And the reason the hard right Freedom Caucus hates passing a bill under suspension is because it requires a two-thirds vote. Regular bills, regular order, it's up or down majority. A bill can pass in the House by one vote. But if you do it, if you suspend the rules and you uh, limit debate, then the parliamentary rule is it has to pass with two-thirds of the vote. Those are the rules. If you suspend debate and demand an up or down vote on the House floor, parliamentary rules dictate it can only pass with two-thirds of the House saying yes, which means what? Johnson needed to get the Democrats on board. Another mortal sin. You never pass a bill by getting the Democrats on board. By, by suspending the rules, Johnson was saying exactly what Kevin McCarthy said when he suspended the rules to pass the continuing resolution. What both speakers said was the majority that the Republican Party has is meaningless. This five-vote majority we have in the House is of no use because I, as speaker, cannot work with my own caucus. I need the Democrats to get bills passed. I have to silence my own caucus by suspending debate. And I need to win over more than 100 Democrats to pass the bill through suspension. It is perceived by the hard right as a kick in the face. Working with the Democrats, unacceptable. Stripping the defense bill of the pro-life, anti-LGBTQ plus writers, unforgivable. Bundling a four-month extension of 702 into this massive spending bill, a mortal sin. Mike Johnson, this week, pissed off the people who brought him to the dance. And by that, I mean the hard-right, homo-hating, Democrat-bashing Freedom Caucus. They are angry, really, really angry with Mike Johnson. This is what Steve Bannon said yesterday on his podcast, quote,
The National Defense Authorization Act just passed. I can't believe it just passed. From Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson, if you're listening, do not tell me you're a Christian. This is Steve Bannon. I don't want to hear that you're a Christian. Don't wear your faith. Don't give me the Bible. I don't want to hear more Bible verse. When you've allowed the transgender, when you've allowed all that garbage, all that demonic trash throughout the defense budget, you're just as bad as the bad guys because you should know better. So I don't need to hear any more biblical views. Okay, Mike Johnson? Unquote. That's Steve Bannon. And Johnson has now pissed off Matt Gates. Remember Matt Gates? He was the one who forced Kevin McCarthy to vacate the chair. Gates said he's unhappy with the way Speaker Johnson passed this Defense Authorization Act. And even worse, the House Ethics Committee, we've talked about this, has reopened its investigation into Matt Gates. And Matt Gates plays real hardball. As I said, he's the one who got McCarthy fired. So I wonder how long it's going to take until Matt Gates files another motion to vacate the chair. How long does Mike Johnson have? Or maybe, maybe Mike Johnson is smarter than we give him credit for. And I'm kind of hoping he is. This is, I mean, in terms of getting things done, he got the Defense Authorization Act passed yesterday, and he got an extension on 702, as is. Whether or not you're for the Defense Authorization Act or 702, at, at least government is functioning. Meanwhile, the Senate won't be going on holiday as negotiations continue between Republicans and Democrats over the Ukraine supplemental getting tied to border security. So I think the House has left, but they may be coming back. Mike Johnson, now there's a difference between what people say, what they posture, and what they really believe, right? You play to your base, you play to your constituents, and then you have a master plan, which reveals itself as the deadlines approach. There's a lot of things somebody like Mike Johnson will say to placate all the flanks, but this is crunch time. And uh, so in the lead up to the deadline, Mike Johnson has been adamant about keeping the Ukraine supplemental tied to H.R. 2, the, the, the border bill that the House passed earlier this year with not a single Democratic voting, Democrat voting for it, because it's a neo-Nazi bill. It's, I mean, it's unacceptable. It's just, I went over it yesterday. So Biden is handling the negotiations uh, in the Senate. It was his idea to bundle Ukraine with the border bill, and Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell, the Republicans in the Senate, said, you created this mess, Joe, you step in, 
and negotiate. And by the way, I should mention uh, the Democrats, this is off topic, but they snuck a little goody into the National Defense Authorization Act. Uh, They were able to sneak a law in, and it's going to be signed by Joe Biden. Uh, it, It prevents a president from leaving NATO without an act of Congress. And that's kind of tied to Ukraine because, you know, if Trump, God forbid, ends up back in the Oval Office and he wants to make Vladimir Putin happy, he's going to try to act unilaterally to just pull out of uh, NATO. Now he can't. And the Democrats kind of snuck that into the National Defense Authorization Act without the MAGA Republicans uh, reading it. So there's that. Uh, So Democrats uh, did that. Also, the Capitol is now under the control of the Capitol Architects Office, not the president. You know how nobody knew who was in charge on January 6th? Well, the president, for some reason, is authorized to hire the the Capitol Architect who controls the Capitol Police. You don't want Donald Trump doing the hiring and firing of that office. That got that jurisdiction got turned over to the Capitol and not the president. Uh, okay. So um, how are they gonna do Ukraine and the border? I think as the deadline approaches and people stop talking to their flanks and actually have to put stuff on the table. I think based on how uh, Mike Johnson surprised me and put his big boy pants on and got the National Defense Authorization Act passed along with an extension on 702, it is possible that we will see something along the lines of how the continuing resolutions got passed, where Biden, then Schumer in the Senate, McConnell, the Republican minority leader in the Senate, they get to work on a bill with Senate Republicans checking in with House Republicans to see what is doable on Ukraine and what is doable on the border. And Schumer, they're not going on vacation. He'll run some test votes. McConnell, Schumer in the Senate, and Biden... Uh, will say, well, this is what the adults in the room want. This is what the president and Mitch McConnell, and Republican, this is what we want up in the Senate. But it is meaningless because it has to really come out of the House. This is the way the continuing resolutions uh, started. It started in the Senate, uh, and then they use, the House uses what, Ever they get in the Senate as a template for a bill that then comes back up to the Senate that they pass. So I think, and this is just conjecture, that uh, the Speaker will abandon once again the far right in his caucus. And I think it is conceivable, unless there's a parliamentary rule that I'm familiar with, that we will see some kind of Ukraine 
border bill passed through suspension with two-thirds of the House with the Democrats on board. I think it's possible, unless there's a parliamentary rule that says you can't pass. uh, I may be talking out of my ass, but the continuing resolutions were passed through suspension. Yesterday, the National Defense Authorization Act was passed through suspension. They may have different rules on funding bills as opposed to authorization acts. But I think just because Mike Johnson has put on his big boy pants and the way he pushed the defense bill through, I think there is a possibility that Biden will get his Ukraine supplemental this way. I do. And I think Mike Johnson is posturing on the border. But at the last minute next week, while the House is on vacation and the Senate is toiling away, I think the Republican minority leader Mitch McConnell in the Senate will quietly convince Mike Johnson to grow a pair. You've already pissed off your Freedom Caucus. You you can't get them angrier, so go ahead, pass the Ukraine supplemental, and with a few billion thrown at border security and do it through suspension. It won't be the massive overhaul of immigration that Mike Johnson and the Freedom Caucus claim they want. They claim they want a massive overhaul of immigration. That's what they claim. I think it might be possible we get Ukraine plus a scaled-down border bill. I'm saying might. I think it might get passed before Christmas in the House through suspension with two-thirds of the House. And I think the Freedom Caucus, this is what I think, I think the, the Freedom Caucus publicly will turn on Mike Johnson. But maybe, maybe it's a kabuki dance. They will end up protecting him because the truth is they're not serious on the border. They need the border to stay there as an issue. They don't want to solve the border on a Ukraine supplemental. Now, I talked about this yesterday. I said the Republicans that the border is like abortion. You don't want it to go away. And today or yet. Chip Roy was asked if he was worried that Biden would cave on the border bill and give Republicans nothing to run on in 2024. And Chip Roy said pretty much whatever Biden gives us on the border, border, it will never be enough, which is basically what I said. Uh, So I think this is the path. I think by Christmas, Biden will look like a winner. Steve Bannon, the Republicans, Donald Trump will say Biden played the Republicans. Uh, Again, this is a a complete 180 from what I said yesterday, but I had no idea Johnson was going to pass the Defense Authorization Act through suspension and put the Section 702 extension onto that 
bill. I didn't think he was going to do that. Again, uh, I talked about this yesterday. Now I think Biden can get Ukraine without alienating the Latino vote, the progressive vote. Uh, Yesterday, it looked like the only way he was going to get Ukraine was by agreeing to more detention camps and zero asylum. It was unacceptable. Uh, I think what we're going to see is just a supplemental, a spending bill, money for Ukraine and money for the border, but nothing on policy. I think that's what's going to happen. That was what Biden, when he originally bundled Ukraine with the border over the summer, that was his original intent to throw money at the border, but not address asylum and immigration courts, just to beef up ICE, give them more weapons, throw them some money. Uh, So I don't know what I'm talking about, by the way. But a lot of this is, as I said, a big kabuki dance until you get to where we are right now. There's a lot of posturing before they break for the holidays. There's a lot of saving face and a lot of pretending to serve your donors. But the bottom line is, and I believe this, uh, I think Republicans do not want to solve the border. Solving the border kills the, the, what is it, the goose that lays the golden egg? They need Biden and the Democrats to be weak on immigration during 2024. If Biden and the Democrats are strong on immigration, what are the Republicans going to run on? Abortion? And it gives Chip Roy and the Freedom Caucus something to yell and scream about. Never underestimate the importance of being able to torture Mike Johnson, to use him as a whipping boy, to threaten to remove him. This is what the Republicans thrive on. If Mike Johnson passes the Ukraine supplemental with a couple of billion, with just a couple of billion going to the border through suspension, it's a win-win for everybody, especially the Republicans, never underestimate the Republican Party's need to be disappointed with their own, to beat up on their own. It's their gasoline. They need someone to hate and blame, someone right in front of their face. And Biden and the Democrats aren't taking their bait, at least not in the House. They're not dignifying this psychotic behavior. So they have to beat up on their own. Biden and Schumer in the Senate are negotiating with McConnell because McConnell is an institutionalist. And most of the Republicans in the Senate think they're adults. They think they're institutionalists. And a lot of them enough think that we need to fund Ukraine. Uh, they, the, the, the Senate Republicans in the past year have been adults when it comes to keeping the government open, raising the debt ceiling. And what I think is happening between now and Christmas is you'll see the Senate making deals on immigration, 
and Ukraine, and those deals will, will serve as the template for something serious to come out of the House that, that gets passed and it serves the institutionalists more than it serves the crazies on the right. And I think Mike Johnson might survive. I think he might survive this. Uh, because it's really about keeping the fight alive more than it is about actually accomplishing anything when it comes to Republicans. They want the fight. They don't do anything other than fight and hurt. On Wednesday, as part of the kabuki dance, Mike Johnson threw red meat to his rabid dogs by leading the House of Representatives into voting to authorize a full impeachment probe of President Joe Biden to determine whether Biden had benefited from any of his son's business dealings. I can save you a lot of money and time. He didn't, but knock yourself out. He, he did get the hard right, an official impeachment probe. The final vote was 221 to 212, with every Republican voting for the probe and every Democrat voting against it. Republican Ken Buck of Colorado, one of the only two members of the Freedom Caucus who voted to certify the election for Joe Biden back in 2020. The other one was Chip Roy. Uh, Ken Buck said, there's nothing there. There's no evidence to justify an impeachment probe, and I'm probably going to vote against it. But in the end, Ken Buck, even Ken Buck, voted in favor of the impeachment probe. So it's an official impeachment probe now. And I think getting the impeachment probe authorized in the House buys time for Mike Johnson. He's giving his caucus the gasoline they need to get up every day and punish someone, anyone. He gave it to them they're going to make Hunter Biden's life miserable. Gives Republicans something to live for. Meanwhile, several Republicans in the Senate, including Chuck Grassley of Iowa, say they see no reason to proceed with the impeachment probe. They call it a complete waste of time. So how does the Hunter Biden impeachment I'm calling it the Hunter Biden impeachment. How does this go in terms of scheduling? Hunter Biden, we know, is never going to be removed by the Senate. The votes just aren't there in the Senate to remove Hunter Biden as Joe Biden's son. Uh, I'm not even sure you can even remove a president's son from his own family. Uh Jordan, is it Klepper, Jordan, the guy from The Daily Show who goes, he should ask that question when he goes to a MAGA rally about removing Hunter Biden uh, from the Biden family through a Senate vote. So there are two ways, Jordan Klepper, that's his name, right? He's very funny. There are two ways this can go. The least likely way for the Biden impeachment probe to go is Congress returns from their winter break in January 
and they step up the impeachment hearings. You, the Judiciary Committee, the Oversight Committee, the Ways and Means Committee, they go full throttle. Uh, and now they can do that because it's an official probe. If it's an official probe, the committees can call on the FBI and the Justice Department to enforce their subpoenas. They can hold Hunter Biden and President Biden's brother Jimmy in contempt of Congress, which they're doing already. But if they refuse to testify behind closed doors, I mean, they have all the power now of the legislative branch to probe the Bidens. House Ways and Means now can subpoena Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's taxes. I mean, they can go all in on impeachment. Now, Hunter showed up on the steps of the Capitol this week answering the subpoena, saying he was ready to testify, but not behind closed doors. He said, I have nothing to hide. I just want full transparency. I want my testimony out in the open for everyone to see on television instead of it behind closed doors where Republicans selectively leak portions of my testimony to spin the story against me. Instead, Republicans said, no, you're not going to dictate how this is going to go. So this is really interesting, except for the fact that the planet only has three more years and there's an eviction crisis, a homeless crisis, a student debt crisis, except for the fact that 200,000 people die every year in America because they don't have enough insurance, except for that, this is interesting. I don't mean to be glib, because that's what really counts, right? This is just a distraction from what's really important. You would think people go to Washington to help others and said they help themselves, and then they distract with this nonsense or punish. I mean, solving the Ukraine supplemental and the border supplemental not only doesn't help anyone, it kills people. We should be figuring out how to stop the violence in Ukraine and how to stop the violence in Central America. So some of those people, some of those migrants might decide, you know what, I like it better here than traveling, hiring a coyote and almost dying trying to cross the Rio. So back to the sports. Uh, it is a little like sports. Well, how does the impeachment go? And by when I say it's a little like sports, it's sinful that we're talking about this instead of helping people. Back to the play action. It is estimated that it usually takes two months from the time a typical Congress authorizes an impeachment probe to the time that Congress votes on impeachment. From the time they authorize the probe to the time they take a vote on impeachment, it usually lasts about two months. That means by February 15th, the impeachment probe would have been wrapped up and voted on. But there are several problems with that timetable for Republicans. 
Right now, Republicans have a five-vote margin. Kevin McCarthy is out the door this morning. George Santos, also gone. And Republican Bill Johnson from Ohio is resigning early, early next year. And none of these members will be replaced by the middle of February when the impeachment vote would normally take place. And with, all, with those three guys gone, it would, all it would take is two Republicans not to vote for impeachment. And then the story is over. They have the hearings in January. They have more hearings in February. They make their case. They vote on impeachment. The House rejects it. And then the story's over. In February, the House failed to impeach. It's over. That's it. And it's only February. There's nine more months to fill until the November election. Nine more months to distract from Donald Trump's four criminal trials. And even if the votes for impeachment split exactly down party lines and they vote to impeach, then it goes straight to the Senate, and then the story's over. There's absolutely no way for a conviction in a democratically controlled Senate. I doubt Chuck Schumer would even dignify it and hold the trial. I doubt he would even have a trial. So that scenario of a vote by mid-February is unlikely because, as I just said, the Hunter Biden story, the Joe Biden story, the corruption, it ends immediately. No more beating up on Hunter. No more railing against this imaginary Biden crime family. The more likely scenario is Republicans treat the Biden impeachment the same way they treat immigration and abortion. Make it a permanent fixture. Keep it around as a cudgel to use against the Democrats and Joe Biden. If you vote to impeach too soon, the story disappears. But if you drag it on, issuing contempt citations against the Biden crime family, accusing the Biden administration of stonewalling, this could go all the way into the general election into November, because this isn't really about removing a sitting president. This is about weakening a sitting president so Donald Trump can win in November. Like I said on yesterday's show, Republicans have immigration, they have abortion, and the Biden crime family. Those are the three stalking horses they need they need to keep those three stalking horses alive until Election Day. Republicans approved an official impeachment probe without being able to explain what exactly they're probing. There is no evidence that Hunter Biden earned any money illegally. There is no evidence that he broke any laws by giving any money to Joe Biden. Republicans have turned the impeachment probe into the independent counsel's office looking into Bill Clinton. 
Most of you are too young to, to know about this. But during Clinton's time in office, the independent council began looking into a land deal called Whitewater. It was suspected that as governor of Arkansas, Bill and Hillary got themselves involved with a shady bank that loaned them money to purchase property in such a nefarious way that they could benefit for, from the government bailing out savings and loans when this savings and loan went bankrupt. There was uh, one independent counsel. He couldn't find anything. He left. And then Kenneth Starr took over the investigation. And he, too, to Kenneth Starr's credit, he said, I got nothing. But Starr, not to his credit, had to find something because he was part of the vast right-wing conspiracy to destroy the Clintons. Find something. So this is what happened. Ken Starr created a sting operation to create a crime to prosecute Bill Clinton for. They created a crime. They couldn't find anything on Bill Clinton, so they created a sting operation. And they got him lying under oath. Now, Bill Clinton was the president of the United States, and he was forced to testify in a civil lawsuit filed by Paula Jones, who claimed then-Governor Bill Clinton sexually harassed her. The Supreme Court, interestingly enough, ruled that sitting presidents can be sued in a civil court. So President Bill Clinton, president of the United States, was about to be deposed when Ken Starr, who's about to be deposed in the Paula Jones sexual harassment lawsuit, and Ken Starr discovered from Linda Tripp that Monica Lewinsky, a former intern inside Bill Clinton's Oval Office, had carried on a relationship with the president inside the Oval Office. Ah, said Ken Starr. He arranged, called up the lawyers in the Paula Jones case because they all were part of the same vast right-wing conspiracy that they made. You know, Hillary Clinton went on the Today Show and said there's a vast right-wing conspiracy out to get us. And the same people who were funding the Paula Jones sexual harassment suit just happened to be the same people who knew Ken Starr. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh worked for Ken Starr back then. Uh, so Ken Starr calls up the attorneys for Paula Jones and says, hey, you know, you're deposing Bill Clinton. Ask him who Monica Lewinsky is and ask him if he ever had sexual relationships with Monica Lewinsky. And Ken Starr knew that Bill Clinton would perjure himself which he did. Clinton, under oath, said he didn't have sex with Monica Lewinsky. And that was it. They, caught, they couldn't find a crime. They caught him by creating a crime sting operation. Ken Starr invented a crime. 
they caught Bill Clinton lying under oath. Uh, they had to find something. There was no crime. Bill Clinton lied about oral sex. And in his mind, he didn't believe oral sex was sex. That was his definition. And I know a lot of road comics who, a lot of married road comic, comics turned to their <laughs> wives and said, see, honey, Bill Clinton says it's not sex. I didn't cheat on you. Uh, and... This is exactly what the Biden impeachment probe is turning out to be. Just an open-ended, nonstop investigation where Mike Johnson, the speaker, says, we'll just see where the evidence takes us. I've never heard of such a thing when it comes to an impeachment probe where, where Congress, with all that's going on, the, the Speaker of the House gets a, 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 an official impeachment probe by saying, we'll just see where the evidence takes us. That's not how impeachment probes work, Mr. Constitutional Scholar. To refresh your memory, Mike Johnson, Donald Trump's 2021 impeachment probe was authorized after he committed the crime of instigating an insurrection. When the impeachment probe was authorized, they knew exactly what they were looking for. They weren't going to find out where the evidence took them. We all knew why there was an impeachment probe and why there was an impeachment. Trump's first impeachment, that first impeachment probe was authorized by a full vote of the House in late 2019 after several whistleblowers stepped forward charging Trump with holding up the delivery of an arms shipment to Ukraine, an arms shipment that was authorized by Congress, he said, I'm not going to send this to you, Mr. Zelensky, until you help Rudy Giuliani find dirt on Hunter Biden. Once Congress knew the specifics of the crime, once they knew what they were looking for, then they authorize an impeachment probe. Even the Clinton impeachment probe began after Ken Starr established that Clinton perjured himself in the Paula Jones deposition. And then, of course, the cover-up. What the Republicans did this week is essentially establish an ongoing standing committee on impeachment with the powers to subpoena whoever they want and go wherever the evidence takes them. In other words, for the first time in American history, we have a permanent impeach impeachment probe in search of a crime. We don't have a, a crime yet, but like Ken Starr, the independent counsel will just keep holding hearings so enough voters will think there is a crime. Well, when would this impeachment probe end? It doesn't. At least not by February, when normally these impeachment probes would end. Now, and it's certainly not going to end by November. It's going to keep going until Trump wins 
or the Republicans lose the House. If Biden is reelected, but Republicans keep the House, we will essentially have a permanent select impeachment committee conducting nonstop hearings going wherever the evidence takes them. Rudy Giuliani promised reporters that he would clear his name when he testified this week. He said, I'm going to clear my name in the defamation suit filed against me by those two Fulton County, Georgia election workers. But lawyers for Rudy told the judge that the plaintiffs had suffered enough and Rudy's testimony would only cause them more pain. That and Rudy would perjure himself. Meanwhile, the jury in that defamation trial began deliberations after the trial ended on Thursday. Shea Moss and her mother, Ruby Freeman, won their defamation suit. They've already won it after Rudy defaulted over the summer by failing to turn over any evidence during the discovery phase of that trial. The judge ruled that Rudy Giuliani did, in fact, owe them damages, that he defamed the mother and daughter when he went on national television, when he went before the Georgia state legislature and repeatedly claimed that Moss and Friedman stole the 2020 election from Donald Trump down in Georgia by stuffing ballots for Joe Biden. The jury right now is trying to determine how much Rudy owes them. Freeman and Moss are asking for $24 million each. On the first day of this week's trial, Rudy showed up 20 minutes late and then later in the day defamed the plaintiffs and their lawyers. Rudy's own attorney had to apologize for his client's conduct, telling the judge he can't control Rudy's behavior. And then Rudy's lawyer said, quote, Your Honor, this has taken a bit of a toll on my client. He's almost 80 years old. There are health concerns for Mr. Giuliani. And as my father would say, Ephem. During his closing statement, Rudy's attorney, Joseph Sibley, admitted that Rudy Giuliani had defamed the two women and had caused damage. But he asked the jury to keep in mind that Rudy Giuliani once did great things by prosecuting the mob and leading New York City right after the 9-11 attack on the World Trade Center where Rudy was told not to put the command and control center, but he did it anyway. They said to Rudy, we're going to set up a command and control center for a terrorist attack on uh, Manhattan. And Rudy said, well, let's put it in the World Trade Center. And he was told, no, you don't want to put it in the World Trade Center because that's pretty much the first place they're going to attack. Rudy did it anyway. And that's why there was so much confusion on 9-11. That's why the police and the firefighters and the first responders couldn't talk to one another because Rudy knew better and he put the command and control center uh, in the World Trade Center, which had already been attacked by terrorists. 
Please forgive my client. He's done great things. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. And he's a racist. He's a racist. Uh, the attorney said, my, my, my client has been very apologetic. But he hasn't been. The lawyer was lying. As recently as Tuesday, Rudy continued to insist that the plaintiffs stuff ballots for Joe Biden, despite already being found guilty, despite the FBI and the Georgia Bureau of Investigation looking into his claims and independently, independently calling them false. While Rudy's lawyer was busy asking the judge and the jury for sympathy and admitting that his client defamed the two women and was remorseful, Rudy went outside the courtroom and accused the plaintiff's attorneys of being tied to the Biden, the Biden crime family. Now, clearly, there is something wrong with Rudy Giuliani. But as my father would say, F him. If he's got health issues, if he's got mental illness, let the warden help him. They have doctors in prison. Rudy's locked up enough people to know that there are doctors in, in prison. F him. And thanks to Rudy's lies, these two women received hundreds of racially tinged death threats. People showed up at their homes threatening to arrest them or worse. They both went into hiding, had to stop working. Lawyers for the two women in their closing argument told the jury that Rudy admitted to the judge over the summer that he told lies about the women. And he told the judge he was guilty. And yet, even after he told the judge he was guilty last summer, he continued to repeat the lies about Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman at least 20 times. The jury resumes deliberations this morning at 9 a.m. An appeals court upheld Judge Arthur Engeron's gag order preventing Donald Trump from attacking any of the court employees in his ongoing civil fraud trial in New York, where State Attorney General Letitia James is asking the former president to pay at least $250 million in damages for defrauding lenders, insurers, and the government, that trial is expected to wrap up in the middle of January, just in time for Donald Trump's Eugene Carroll trial, which starts on January 15th. That's over and above the four criminal trials he has next year. Donald Trump promised to take the stand on Monday, but like Rudy in his civil lawsuit, backed out at the last minute. Again, Trump, like Rudy, has already been found guilty. Trump has been found guilty of fraud, and the trial, like Rudy's defamation suit, has been held only in order to determine just how much Trump and his two sons should be punished. Judge 
Arthur Engeron has yet to come up with the dollar amount on the fine. Initially, New York State Attorney General Letitia James asked for $250 million, but some are saying the fine could be in the billions. And Judge Engeron has already ordered the Trump Organization to turn its two big properties in Manhattan, that would be Trump Tower and 40 Wall Street, to turn them over to liquidators so they can be sold off. Judge Engeron has ordered Trump's business to, as they say, turn off the lights. Unfortunately, it's all subject to appeal. The New York Times reports that Trump might do better in appeals court than we all thought. The New York Times did some interviews with experts in this field, and they say Judge Engeron might not have the authority to shut Trump's businesses down. According to the New York Times, some experts maintain that with the right attorneys, I don't think he's got them right now, but with the right attorneys, Trump could be able to salvage the properties by agreeing to dissolve all the shell companies that currently own the, the two properties that have been ordered liquidated. He could uh, dissolve those shell companies and at the same time create new shell companies that can legally take on ownership of all of Trump's real estate. Ah, to be rich and white. So, while people like me have been getting tumescent over the thought of Trump and his children never being able to do business again in New York, uh, losing their signature properties, uh, the Times, I got to brace you, prepare you for this, the New York Times said yesterday it is conceivable that an appeals court will reverse Judge Arthur Engeron's ruling and create what the Times calls a minor irritation for Trump where he has to fill out new paperwork. I know. I know. Well, while I'm piling on bad news, but I, I do have some hopeful news at the at the end. Uh, so let me just pile on a little bad news here. <clears throat> Many are saying Trump will have the nomination locked up by March. And you know, I've been talking about Nikki Haley. It's just not happening. Things can change very quickly. This is like right around now. Things could change. But it doesn't look <laughs> like it's changing. And I've, as you know, if I'm, uh, if I say something is going to happen, it doesn't happen. If I say something's not going to happen, it happens. If I root Against somebody, they become very successful. So I'm going to try a new tact this morning. I have accepted that Donald Trump is going to get the nomination and that his real estate holdings will not be wiped out. I'm accepting this. 
I'm predicting it. And this is good news, because you know what my predictions, how my predictions always turn out. I should charge for these services. If you want to be successful, pay me to hate you or make a prediction about you. So I am predicting, I've accepted that uh, Trump is going to be the nominee. And I'm being philosophical. Maybe it's for the best. Maybe by the time the general election rolls around, we'll say, you know what? Turns out Trump was easier to beat than Nikki Haley. That's my prediction. Uh, things are getting dark. This, this is my motivational speech now to keep your chin up. First, I did you all the favor by predicting that Trump was going to get the nomination and that he's going to get to keep his properties. You're welcome. Okay. Now I'm going to give you a little inspiration here. The days are getting shorter. Unless you're in New Zealand or Australia, which I'm told are actual places. But apparently they're upside. I, I think they all stand on their head in Australia because right now summer is about to, 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 to start in, in Australia and New Zealand. Can anybody explain how that is possible? Santa Claus comes down uh, an air conditioning vent. It makes absolutely no sense to me. Uh, nobody can explain this to me. How is it possible that Australians celebrate Christmas in the summer? Makes uh, Anyway, but for the rest of the world, and by the rest of the world, I mean New York City, uh, the days are getting shorter, especially the next seven days. Pay attention to your calendar. If you're getting depressed and sad, it's the season for that. This is why they invented Christmas and Hanukkah. Hanukkah isn't a real holiday. It's just like people get depressed, so they invented Hanukkah. So, so, Fake holiday. It really is, by the way. Um, we are uh, gearing up for the winter solstice, unless you live in Australia. And I'm not sure people, are, I, I, I can't, it, it's a goof. They're lying to us. But for the rest of us, the winter solstice, I have a lot of listeners in Australia and New Zealand. And I love them. They're great. Um, what was I talking about? The winter solstice for normal people, not Australians, uh, is, is right upon us. Uh, I think I'm probably getting this wrong, but I think the winter solstice is December 21st. Sure, I'm, I'm sure this is the Easter egg. This is the little treat for the people who are coiled like snakes in the grass Waiting. No, you got it's South Pacific, not the King and I. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's December 21st. And the week before the winter solstice is always the gloomiest because it's getting darker outside and darker and darker. But then something happens. 
On December 22nd, it starts getting lighter. And December 23rd is lighter than December 22nd. It starts getting light. That's the great thing about the first day of winter. Because that means it's going to start getting lighter again. So, this is the gloomiest I'm going to be. Well, no, actually, until December 22nd. Allow yourself to be gloomy. You're supposed to be. Check in with me in about a week on December 22nd. But right now, it's getting dark. It's always darkest before you see the light. That's my, my uncle, Arnie, was a proctologist, and he, ta he taught me that. He always used to say, it's always darkest before you see the light. So between now and the solstice, get into it. Get into the gloom. It's time to catastrophize. Trump is not going to prison. He's going to be nominated. And he, not America, is going to live happily ever after. Go there. Imagine the worst. But I have faith. I do. I have faith. Watch what happens on December 22nd. I believe that uh, Biden's poll numbers are plummeting right now. Trump is soaring right now. But this is the season of darkness. So, of course, Trump would look like he's winning. He's the angel of darkness. But everything changes starting December 22nd. We begin to see the light. Unless, of course, you live in Australia, in which case Trump's going to win and it's the end of America. I got to talk to my listeners in Australia. I'm David Feldman. Reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. But I do mean it. Embrace the darkness. It's December 15th. Uh, we've got about another week of this shit where it's just going to get darker and darker. Expect, start catastrophizing. It's, it's the end of America and it's Donald Trump and Kimberly Gargoyle and Don Jr. are going to have a rose garden wedding and it's a come December 22nd uh, or yeah, December 22nd. If we can get the fucking Australians to get in line, we'll all be seeing the light. <laughs> Got to speak to Australia. Thank you for listening to this garbage. Uh, if you enjoyed any of it, please hit the like button. So I remain in your feed. Uh, please share this with your friends down in Australia. I, ha I think I may have more listeners in Australia uh, than I do here in the United States. I don't know why. And New Zealand. Uh, I'm sorry, my mind wandered. I just thought how nice it would be uh, to leave them. <laughs> 
to leave America when Donald Trump uh, comes a knocking. What am I supposed to ask you to do? Uh, like, share, subscribe to my newsletter, subscribe to my um, channel, right? Thank you to Bob. And he's our moderator. Thank you for moderating if you're here. Thank you to Autumn for moderating. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. All right. Goodbye, Australia. I love you. 